0: Church, it is an honor and a pleasure of mine to preach God's word to you this morning. I am so excited to be able to worship with you and dive deep into the word of God. Amen? Amen. 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 If you haven't met me, my name is Austin McClenahan. My uh, wife, Kat, and I lead the student ministry here or the youth group. And um, also, if the worship music's a little loud, that's probably also me. Um, if we haven't met yet, please come talk to me. I want to meet you. Because if you were here seeking the Lord, I'm for you and the Lord is for you. And also you can find out that my wife is a hundred times cooler than I am. Man, this church, guys. This church has meant so much to my family and I. The Holy Spirit revealed himself to me while playing a worship song one Sunday. I stood right here and looked at my beautiful wife and got married in this church. We have been raising and been supported by a family of believers as we raise our two sons, and we even got them dedicated right here. You guys mean so much to me. You are such a blessing to me and my family. Thank you for just obeying the Lord and supporting my family through the Holy Spirit. This is our church. This is our family. This is our body of Christ. We deeply thank the Lord the way this church has poured into my family. We felt every hello, every every hug, every shared tear, every prayer. We have felt every aspect of what the Lord has done to my family through this church. You know, it's fair to say that without a body of believers being led by the Lord to keep us on the path We might be a family of lost sheep. That's a reality in my life. But what I want to put in our thoughts right now is what happens when believers don't have support in their walk with Christ? What does the world start to look like when mature believers stop pouring into infant believers? What happens to the church when we stop pursuing a deeper and stronger walk with Christ? Well, maybe we can look upon the world to see what that looks like, right? So, we know the world is dark. We know it keeps getting darker and more evil things are happening. We know that there's even kids being raised today that might not even hear a verse or a mention of the Bible until they are grown up. Think about that. Think about kids not hearing the name of Jesus until they are older. The things that could have been protected of them if they just knew the name of Jesus and knew the word of God. The devil keeps finding more and more ways to pull people from the word. To pull them from the kingdom of God into a destructive kingdom. The devil is wise, unfortunately. And the way we enjoy Peace and comfort, the devil enjoys brokenness just the same. So, are Christians the reason there's evil in the world? Are we the reason that all bad things happen? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We follow a good God. We follow Jesus that is for good and good only. Anything that's evil is not of his kingdom. But there is still brokenness. The world is broken, and the devil enjoys it. Some things are going to happen that are out of our control, just because it's plain broken. Oh, but even through the brokenness, we have a mighty Savior in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That brings light into that darkness. That no matter how broken it is, His faithfulness, His love, and His truth stays the same then, now, and forever. But when it comes to our stewardship of God's Word, do we have a responsibility and a command from the Lord even during the brokenness of the world? What are we supposed to do in our part of the kingdom of God? Well, there's no better place to find out than the Word itself. Amen. So go ahead and open up your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. We're going to jump a little, but that's where we'll be spending the, the main portion of our time. Now, while you are flipping to Hebrews, I'm going to go over and pray over the Word. Because if we do anything without the Holy Spirit, what's the point of doing it at all? Dear Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, invade this space, Lord. Lord, any darkness... Any evil that may be uh, occurring in this building, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we drive it out of here, Lord. In the name of the mighty name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, take over our hearts, take over her minds and ears so we may hear the truth of your word, Lord. Holy Spirit, run through this building. May we dwell in your Holy Spirit, Lord. You are welcomed here, Lord Jesus. This building is going to be a place made to worship and glorify your name, Lord. So open up our hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcomed here. Be in the Word, Lord. Keep my mind clear so I can focus on the truth, Lord. If I stumble, Lord, may the truth still reign in the ears of those who hear, Lord. Lord, change our hearts today. We pray these things in your heavenly name. Amen. So, let's read and get in God's Word. So, verse 24 starts with, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, As is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, church, I am fully convinced that every verse, chapter, word, comma, period is intentionally put in the exact place it's supposed to be for a reason. And because of that, we are going to break this down chunk by chunk and really dissect the Word of God. And also, I've been studying under Pastor Scott Brudd, so that's kind of just the style but it's crucial it's true there's a reason for it so let's look at that first part and let us the author starts verse 24 with and let us i want everyone just to think about when they've heard that outside in the world right now when i think of that phrase i think of like like a movie scene of someone bringing their army into battle and, let us go into battle let us go and conquer but then I also think of, like, you know, my mom when I was a kid, like, let us eat. And that's also, I'm going to conquer that food, too. <laughs> it's a battle up in that house. So, even though there are, those are two extreme differences, they both have the same intentions, right? It's an invitation to join together to accomplish a common mission, That saying, and let us, is meant to shift our minds from the day-to-day thoughts and into the mindset that the Lord is bringing us into. And let's dive even deeper. You know, that word, us. The author is writing to somebody, right? Is he writing to a guy named Hebrew? No. There's a group of people that he's writing to. A group of people that have picked up their cross and decided to follow Jesus. And what are we in this body? We're a church. We're a group of people that have picked up our cross and decided to follow Jesus. And if you haven't made that decision, there's no better day than today. So come talk to me after. I'm serious. So there's a direct meaning to the word us because there's an intention to our gatherings. We don't just gather because it's something to put on the calendar. We gather because there's intention to us gathering today. Amen? We don't come here just because, we come here for a reason. And that us is to call the entire church to shift their mindset into something grand. A call to the church to gather together and seek what the Lord has in store for us. Not just Austin, not just Luke Twombly, not Dave Marsh, us. You are a part of us. And we we are glad that you are a part of us. So we are not doing this alone. We are doing this as one group of body. So when we see the verse begin with, and let us, we can see that as maybe looking at it in this way. May we shift our minds and be open to what the Lord is bringing our church into. Three words can have such an impact to start a verse. It brings your mind into the perspective of what we're being led into. And now that our minds are in focus and we're in submission to the word of God, Let's continue to see what else he's bringing us into. Now, the next chunk we're going to look to is consider. Just the word consider. So, church, there's many things we do naturally throughout the day that we don't really think about. We breathe, walk, sneeze. You know, you don't really think about breathing. (sighs) That's a dumb joke. It wasn't a good one, Lisa. No, no. <laughs> so, but there's things that we naturally do without thinking. But we also have a group of things that require thought, but we've been doing it so long that it becomes a natural instinct that we kind of go on autopilot. Brandon Pierce has probably put a million nails into pieces of wood. I don't think each time after years he's going, "Okay, all right, put it down, lift up, and down. No, he's hammering that thing in there, because he's got a lot to do, and he's been doing it so long that he kind of just goes on autopilot, I'm assuming. You ever hit your thumb anymore, brother? No. (laughs) But there's also some things, like, like maybe saying hello to somebody. What about saying I love you to a dear family member? You know, these are things that have a lot of impact on people's lives, but maybe we do it so much that there's times we say it, and maybe there's no intention behind it. I mean, I think that's a harsh reality of the day-to-day. We're so busy with life and other things going on, work, bills, that we'll leave the house. Okay, babe, I love you. No. Take time and think of that intention. Do I love my wife? Yes. Yes. I hate to say it, there's some times where I'm so focused on everything else that the things that really matter, that have a lot of impact, I go on autopilot. So although we do have great and meaningful intentions behind all these examples, we do it so often that there's a natural instinct that takes over. But when we serve the Lord, it should never be what the flesh naturally wants to do in that moment. Whenever we serve the Lord, we have to put much thought of what God is wanting us to do, what he's calling us into, how he wants us to serve, why he wants us to serve. So when we see the word consider, it's not meaning to read the word with your understanding. We have to be reading this word with the Lord's understanding, not our understanding, but the Lord's. So as we see, shift our minds upon the Lord. Let us gather as a church and see what he's leading into, not of our understanding, but the Lord's understanding. If we do anything with our thoughts and with what we want to do, the kingdom of God may not be able to reach as many people as we want it to. So that our minds are shifted now as one body of Christ, And we seek the Lord's understanding besides ours, we are already being shown that this is something important at stake. This isn't just some, you know, easy verse that you can kind of just glance at. No, this is showing us that this is something important that he's bringing us into. So may we focus and really seek what is happening. And as we continue, now that our minds and hearts are ready, let's begin to see what he's bringing us into. To stir up one another. To stir up one another. Think about that. Stirring up one another. You know, when I first read this, like I imaged the church as like one big pot of food, and we, and we were mixing it because we want everyone to be blended together, and, it's, and I love food. Now, that could hint at maybe a portion of what this is meaning, but honestly, I think I was just like hungry at work or something. Um, Man, I'm talking about food a lot. Okay, we need a good lunch today. But I also don't believe it's meaning stirring the pot as in gossip, right? Right. Oh, we got to stir the pot. No, no, no. Because why? Well, you know, that's a sin, right? Did you guys hear that Ethan's beard is hair plugs? (laughs) Don't go pull his beard after this. Actually, no, pull his beard, pull his beard. No, but how do we remove our understanding from Scripture And into the Lord's understanding, where do we start? Where do we start to see what he means by stir up? Well, we look at the context of the letters, right? We understand and we see the mood and the message that the author was sending them. The book of Hebrews has so many powerful teachings. So many, but it also shows the heart of the author, what the Lord was giving to the people of Hebrew. Even though the author is not 100% known you can hint at who it might have been based off literature style. So we hold firm that it was a close disciple of Jesus. So these are powerful letters being sent right now. Now, we're also not going to spend like 30 minutes you know, deciding who the author is. Uh, we're going to get back into the Word. Sorry, Joseph. So for the first half of Hebrews, it goes over the theology of who Jesus is to the world, who he is to us. man, what a mighty Savior we have, amen? It goes to show us the importance and the significance of Jesus in the kingdom of God. Before Jesus' time on earth, God had granted the world with many holy things, right? Angels, high priests, a tabernacle to be in his presence, and a covenant and a promise to his people. God truly, truly loves his creation, So much that He gave so many avenues for them to witness His holiness. He didn't have to. But He loves them so much that He granted them those things that they could witness His holiness. And although these things are meant to grant us access to God, nothing, and I mean nothing, will ever match up to the accessibility we have in Jesus. Jesus didn't just replace our sin. He also replaced the distance He has In between, us, not from him, but from us creating that distance, from our sin. Although he came to save our sins and redeem you, he also came to show you that he's available for you, that he's accessible for you, that there is no more distance unless you want there to be. Tabernacles, angels, high priests, amazing, glorious things. But nothing matches up to the presence of Jesus Christ. God designed his creation to know his character, to know his intentional love for them. But how can he do that if we continue to fix our eyes on the world and not on heaven above? So our gracious God willingly set himself in the image of Jesus to show that the world, that the kingdom of God is at hand, it's here. And Jesus will be our only way to the Father once and for all. Because of his death and resurrection, our debt, our debt is gone. We serve Jesus because he's became the true king and has, given, has been given authority over the earth and heaven. And God's creation can be reconciled back into the arms of God through Jesus. We live in a new covenant where the old covenant will never give the fulfillment that Jesus can provide for us. That Jesus came to make his people new and to show them that there's a good God that truly cares for them, that wants to pour into them. Church, this is, I mean, this stuff gets me so excited. Think about what God has done for you. Think about that. What he's done by setting himself in the image of Jesus. The most powerful, righteous, and holy king has won the battle over death and has given us the opportunity, the opportunity to have him not as just a ruler, but as our father as our Father, and we have faith in Him that we are no longer held by the penalty of death and get to run free in the Spirit of the Lord. Woo! If that doesn't get you excited, I'm not really sure what will. That God saw your your penalty in sin. He saw what needed to happen because of your sin. And He never, ever retreated from His law. He never retreated from his justfulness. He never retreated from his righteousness. But he sent himself in the image of Christ to show you that there's a way out from your death and it's in his blood only. Now, this is the part of Hebrews that is solely focused on who Jesus is for us. But then the author shows us a serious issue that's happening within the body of Christ. And we find it in chapter 5. This is what chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5 says, verse 11 through 14. About this, we have much to say, but it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now, the author is showing us once again the magnitude of who Jesus is for us. But then he explains that there's even more for us to enjoy, that there's even more for us to comprehend. Think about how much you know about Jesus, how much he's given to you, how much he's poured into you, how much you've glorified him. There's even more. There's even more to enjoy. But then he opens the eyes of the church so that they can see something that's keeping their hearts from witnessing the fullness of Christ. He states that it's hard to explain what is available for them because they have become dull of hearing. But they should be equipped to teach this gospel. But they now have to be retaught the basic principles of the kingdom of God. They are infants still drinking milk. Anyone who's drinking milk is unskilled in righteousness. And again, we're going to keep saying it, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Man. That's stirring up one another. That's stirring up a body right there. But Let's, let's break it down, right? Now, church, what's our mission statement? Love God, love people, Make disciples. Yes. Let's focus on that third one. It's a big one. Make disciples. We have a call from the Lord to not only receive the word of God, but to teach the word of God. We have a call from the Lord to make disciples. Making disciples isn't just something that this church thought would be a really cool thing to put on a screen. No, 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 no. It's a command and a crucial part of any thriving church to make disciples. And when you make one disciple, then that disciple goes and makes a disciple. And then that disciple goes and makes a disciple. And even that disciple goes and makes another disciple. One obedience of one person making disciple, and then you open up your eyes to a whole army of disciples that God can use in any moment's notice. This is not just something that we want to do. This is a command from the Lord to make disciples. We are students of the Lord so that we may be sent out into the harvest field to labor faithfully. God wants to use you to work in the harvest field, and it's plentiful. But he needs labors. He needs people to go out and collect the harvest with them. But we don't send out infants, do we? Our mission statement isn't love God, love people, babysit infants. That's not it. In order for this church to live another 85 years, we need believers practicing and studying the Lord's teaching so that we may be sent out into the world and mature more infant believers into a stronger and more mature walk with Christ. Infants can no longer raise infants. No longer will that happen. When there's a serious problem That comes across my family. And my wife and my kids look to me to leadership. I I don't go up to my two-year-old son and go, what are we going to (laughs) do? Because if it's up to him, we're all going to be knights and fight the bad guys. No. I don't go up to my son and ask him for guidance, for leadership. No, no, no. It's essential for me as the father and husband of that household to press into the Lord so that I'm equipped to lead my family during life's toughest battles. That's my responsibility from the Lord. I'm called to be the man of the house, to be the leader of the household. Although my wife, couldn't do it without her, trust me. But when it comes to those tough battles, if I'm not equipped with the Lord's Holy Spirit, I will fail them. I will. But I also wouldn't be the man I am today if it wasn't for mature believers stirring me up in my infant years with Christ. No way I could do it on my own will. But through the will of the fathers, through others pouring into me, stirring me up. I'll never forget After I got saved, about eight or nine months after I got saved, I realized that the flesh really struggles with a walk in obedience to Christ. I found out that, man, I can't just know these words. I got to live them too. I got to love the people that's cursing me out. I got to read the Bible each day, not because he wants me to, because I need it. The walk with Christ is not an easy one. And when I was saved, eight or nine months after that, woo, man, I became real stale, and my walk slowed down big time. And I even missed church for maybe three weeks. And I came back, and I don't know if he remembers this, but Nelson Frazier came up to me and said, "How you doing, young man? We missed seeing you at church. Where have you been?" And I go, oh, I don't really know Nelson. And he said something to me that day that stuck with me. And this is five, six years ago. And it stuck with me. It kind of struck me to my core. When I said, oh, Nelson, I don't really know where I've been. He goes, yeah, you do. You know where you've been. And It's okay. It's not okay that maybe you sinned and fell away from the Lord, but it's okay that you did fall, that you are here now. You know, he didn't say it in an arrogant way either. He didn't say it to belittle me or to crush me. No, he said it because the Holy Spirit convinced him and to show me that I need to take responsibility with my walk with Christ. That I can't use excuses of, I don't know where I've been, you know, Nelson. I just, just, you know, you know how it goes. No, 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 you know where you've been. And I needed that. But I felt his love through that because he wasn't showing me that I was a horrible person. He was showing me that, hey, brother, there is a brothers and sisters in this body that are here to support your walk. We are here to pour into you, to gather together to help you when your walk gets still, when your walk slows down. But how can they support me if I don't let them support me? How can mature believers grow me up and pour into me If I'm not seeking that, if I'm not here to just really have the blessing of mature believers pour into me, they couldn't support me if I didn't let them. And that is something that just really stirred my heart, that I have to take responsibility with my walk of Christ. Although the Lord will do the heavy lifting, if I don't seek it, what will come of it? He provoked me. He showed me that the world can't slow my walk down unless I let it. But through the power of Christ, Jesus will continue to carry us through the hardships, carry us through the times that are tough. And we allow the Holy Spirit to stir up those aspects in our heart that are not of Christ. And he drowns those out and fills them with the Holy Spirit and makes us more mature in the Word, more mature in prayer. But we have to let other brothers and sisters of Christ pour into us. We can't be closed off from that. No longer shall we let stones go unturned. But we must be spiritually invested to keep each other accountable when the Holy Spirit calls us to. but we need to be spiritually invested to keep each other accountable when the Holy Spirit tells us to. We need mature believers encouraging other believers. Stirring up one another is encouraging a brother or sister that has maybe become dull of hearing to press back into the Lord. Or maybe it's showing someone for the first time the true character of Jesus Christ. Stirring up a heart that might not know Jesus yet. It may sting but the holy spirit is calling us to keep each other accountable and it's worth every tough conversation if it's meant drawing somebody else closer to god amen amen, amen. it's worth all of it if someone gets closer to the heart of god and i know what you know we might be thinking well austin i'm, I'm not the lead of a household i don't have a ministry Maybe some of us don't even have families to minister to. Let God decide how he'll use you. That's not our job, how we're going to be used. It's our job to be obedient so that he can equip us for love and good works. Let God decide where he's going to use you. Because I guarantee this, before Isaiah said, Lord, send me, he said, Lord, here I am. That prayer of saying, Lord, use me, is one of the most dangerous but rewarding and fulfilling prayers you can ever pray. Dangerous why? Because if you seek for him to use you, he's going to use you. But you have to open up your heart and be ready to be used by the Lord. To equip yourself with the word and understanding. Don't worry about how he'll use you. Worry about pressing to the Lord and allowing him to equip you for what's ahead. And a lot of that comes into love and good works. And that's the next part and the next movement that the Lord is showing us, right? Stir up one another to love and good works. Now, we must keep each other accountable and be spiritually vested in our flock. We must stir up one another from becoming dull of hearing. This is so crucial because the reason the author is showing us this is because we are being called into love and good works. Now, these are like, these can be sermons within themselves. And there's actually even sermons within this sermon series that speak highly of love, how to love one another, speaking of good works. And if you want to catch those, you can go to waynesboro.fm.com forward slash sermons. We don't get commissioned, by the way, don't worry. But we still got to mention them at least a little bit because the author is connecting being stirred up for the hope of love and good works. Now let's see what scripture says about both, right? So there's thousands of verses that kind of uh, depict what God's love is, because God's love is a mighty thing. and I believe, But I believe this one describes it well for what we're talking about. In John chapter 15, verse 13, it says, No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Church, when Jesus laid down his life, he laid it down for you for your kids, for your kids' kids, for your kids' 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 kids. He had you and all the generations behind you in mind when he died on that cross. When Jesus died, that put a stamp and a seal on the question if God loves his creation. When Jesus died, no longer is the phrase love is love, match up, and compare to the love that Christ has for us. You don't die because of the acceptance of other sins. You die because there must be a payment of sin, a payment of wrongdoing. Christ came to die to show that we must change. You wouldn't die a tragic death for people that are perfect the way that they are. If you're perfect the way, that doesn't require death. No, no, no. But because of sin... His death shows the seriousness of sin, that our hearts need sanctification, and that we can't do it from the power of ours, but through the power of the blood of Christ. And although there's only been one need for human sacrifice, are you ready to empty yourselves in order to love thy neighbor? For the world to fill true and powerful love of Christ, we must empty our fleshly desires and fill it with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can't work through stale hearts. We need to be constantly seeking fresh revelations and allowing the Lord to stir up those areas in us that aren't of Christ. When Christ broke bread with the sinners of the world, he did it to show them the heart of the kingdom of God, not to accept their sins. Only one with a pure heart can do such things as break bread with those that are hated among the people. We can't fully show the love of Christ if we're holding parts of our heart from the Lord. If we keep things away from the Lord that we're afraid to change over, afraid to give Him, are not allowing Jesus' full command and full control of our bodies to use. And then we go into good works. Another important aspect of kingdom living. Ephesians 2.10 says this about good works. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Church, our God has bigger plans for you than you will ever know. Before the moment you were conceived, God has engraved engraved a serving heart in your DNA. We are created to be his workmanship and for him to work through us for others. To love and good works is one of those it's one of the greatest desires the Lord has for us as children of God don't lo- you don't lose your salvation if your walk has become stale or, or you become dull of hearing you don't lose your salvation because of that but even though through all of that we must mature from drinking just milk like an infant because we need To be used in bigger ways than we can imagine. But even if you are drinking milk. At least you're still being fed. What you don't want to do. Is be in a point where you don't become fed at all. Although we need to mature up to stronger believers. Eat of solid food. At least we're still drinking milk if you're in that spot. My biggest desire is for us to stop feeding from the Lord. To stop allowing him to pour into us. But don't be complacent of drinking just milk. Let him mature you into stronger and deeper waters where he can use you and show you things that you would never imagine seeing. Because Jesus doesn't want just part of your life. He doesn't just want part of your heart. No, no, no. Jesus wants more. He wants more from you. Not to just do more, but to allow him to do more through you. Jesus has big plans for your life. And he needs for you to be equipped for those big things. To be stirred up so that you can freely love and to do good works in the spirit of the Lord. Not of how we want to do, but how God is requiring of us to do it. The way we get there is by allowing ourselves to be stirred up by one another, to be called, to keep each other accountable, to be spiritually invested in each other's lives so that we can have more mature believers, baptize more mature believers, and see more infant believers grow up in the walk and the word of God so that they can make more mature believers and they can make more mature believers. So how do we get there? Let's remember the phrase we read earlier in that verse. Consider, there's a second part to that. Consider how to. We need to know that how to. Church, and we've we've dove fairly deep into each word of this verse. It's crucial that we shift our minds upon the Lord as one body, then remove our understanding, seek the Lord's understanding. But what is the point of all of this if we don't go out and do what the Lord is commanding us to do? There's no point of studying all this, preaching this, if we don't go out and live this. God's promises aren't powerful because they're worded nicely. No, no, no. God's promises are powerful because there's action behind it. He doesn't just say something he's like, "All right, that sounded pretty good. Go with it." No, no, no. His promises are true because He keeps account to his promises. He puts action behind his promises. So we have a responsibility not to study the word, but to live the word as well. So how do we do anything that the Lord is asking us? How do we do these things that the Lord is commanding of us? Well, strangely, we don't. Let me explain, because that makes no sense, right? But how do we do these things? Well, we don't. It will not be us that leads others in a deeper walk of Christ. We rest on the strength of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have to commit And we have to go when the Lord is calling us. But it's the Holy Spirit that does all the heavy lifting through us. The command isn't meant for the flesh to take control. It's meant for us to remove the flesh and allow the Holy Spirit to move mightily to all who hear. Church, if we stir up one another purely on our own understanding, we are going to hurt each other. If I try to stir up you guys based off of what Austin wants, I'm going to hurt somebody spiritually. Stirring up one another and being stirred up isn't as joyful as singing to one another. But it's still essential to the kingdom of God. We need to be able to have these tough conversations. We need to be ready to share the light to a brother and sister that's deep in the mud. We need to equip ourselves with moments that we never thought we'd be in. But it must come from the Holy Spirit calling us. We need the power of God to be among us. So we welcome the Holy Spirit. We ask the Spirit. And we live by truth and faith with the Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcomed here. Please invade this space. Holy Spirit, align my heart to your desires. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. As on earth as it is in heaven. Spirit, Holy Spirit, use us. Open our eyes to weak points and strengthen us, oh God. Lord, may we live all of our days in the obedience and the righteousness of you, Lord. Amen. How do we stir up one another? Jesus is the only way. The only true way. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Jesus is the reason we gather. Jesus is the reason we get to walk freely in the spirit of the Lord. And he's the reason and the only way we can truly stir up a brother or sister into a deeper and stronger walk with Christ. But how can we do that if we neglect to meet with together? Something that keeps me up late at night is thinking about my sons not knowing the name of Jesus. That keeps me up late at night, thinking that if I neglect my role as a husband and father to those boys, that that can affect how they hear the name of Jesus. So I have a responsibility not to neglect to share it. But I have a responsibility and a command from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, to share the mighty name of Jesus and testify what he's done in my life and what he can do for their life. And not only that, it keeps me up at night thinking of brothers and sisters I walk past each day, how they see the name of Jesus. Or how your kids hear the name Jesus. Or that their kids hear the name Jesus and many, many, many generations to come. We can't neglect to show the power and the mightiness of Jesus to those who are eager to hear, because I guarantee this. Every moment you neglect to share who Jesus is, what he can do for them, every time you neglect that, the enemy is chewing at the bit to do the opposite. The enemy is just begging for a moment where they can bring a destructive kingdom into their life, where they don't get to know the light of Christ, where they don't get to know the mercy of Jesus, but they know the destruction of Satan. That happens every time we neglect to share the love and the faithfulness of Christ to those who are willing to hear. It's up to us. It's our responsibility and a command from the Lord to stir up one another so that many people can hear the mighty name of Jesus and they can go and they can see the light of Jesus in their life for many days to come. Every time your walk got stale, Jesus' desire didn't get stale for you. Anytime you think you might have walked away from the path, Jesus chased right into those woods for you. In those times where you didn't feel Jesus' love, he was right at that door knocking. But we need to be ready to stir up one another and to love and good works. And why? To the day that is drawing near. Church, close your eyes for a second. Please, please. I want you to think about that day you meet Jesus. Maybe it's your last breath on earth. Or maybe it's him coming down. The trumpets are sounding. He's breaking through the sky to redeem the world. And he's coming. He's coming again to redeem the world. In that moment, do you want to say to Jesus, Jesus, I did some of what you asked me to do. Or do you want to stand there and say, Lord, I gave it all I had. Jesus, I'm an empty cup. My work is finished here. You emptied me. You used me. You can look to your left and right and see mature believers that you poured the gospel into. We don't stand there. We don't want to thank God. I kind of did what you asked me to do. Let's stand there and be, Lord, I gave everything I had because you gave me everything you had.